Our dear Heavenly Father, we love and praise your holy, beautiful, precious name. We thank you for the sacrifice on the cross, the ultimate price paid by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He did not deserve the cross. We did. But he took it for us so that we may be forgiven and have salvation. Lord, we ask that the Holy Spirit uh, penetrate this congregation and bind us closer together as a church family as we listen to your word, which is perfect, it is inerrant, and it is solid truth. And Lord, we ask you to bless our community as we go about our days evangelizing your name. In Christ's name we ask all of this. Amen. So it's, uh, sorry I have to look at the camera a bit too. So it's nice to, it's nice to see everyone. Uh, it's a good morning. Uh, the sun is out. Everything is good. And we welcome everybody online as well as all of us here today to listen to God's word. And it is nice to be here, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful? Okay, we, we really need to be thankful to God for all that he has given us. Um, you know, and the ability to listen to his word, to observe it, interpret it, and then apply it to our lives. Uh, whether we're here or online is wonderful and as believers we are supposed to evangelize we are supposed to bring this word to everyone and we can thank God that we have the ability to do that you know God does provide for us he really really does he's always provided for us um, and I hope he continues to use us okay to spread his gospel to those who have not heard it that is very important and I hope he provides for us today and will continue as we move forward in these very, very interesting times that we're in. You know, they are very interesting times. Like, it's just, it's incredible. And you know, when we sit there and, you know, there's so much online stuff and we listen to these things and, and people having comments, which is fair, fair enough. But there are a lot of secular groups out there, you know, that would like nothing more, like, like secular groups, atheistic, that sort of thing, than to break our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, okay, and his good news of the Bible. They, they want to refute it. Some have said that in times of this pandemic, that maybe God isn't here. Maybe he's not with us anymore. Maybe he's abandoned us. He's just, forget it, you know, uh, I'm out. Um, or maybe simply that God has forgotten us. Okay, uh, some have even questioned, uh, you know, and not just with the atheistic uh, community, is that does God even exist in these times? Which is, which is very interesting. Um, we can see throughout the Bible, okay, especially in the Old Testament, uh, when we look to the scriptures, we can see that the Israelites thought that God had forgotten them. Okay, uh, they felt abandoned, okay, because his presence in times of trial was not immediately apparent. You know, there's no proof. We don't have any proof. Where is he? We don't know where he's at. He doesn't answer our prayers, that sort of thing. And as believers, which we all are, and even non-believers, we need to come to grips with how we think of things. Um, and, you know, think about changing our thought process. Um, and why do we need, there's a lot of questions up front here, guys. So, um, why do we insist on having constant proof 
mostly empirical evidence. So when I mean empirical evidence, like, like I can't see it, I can't hear it, I can't taste it, I can't touch it. So therefore, it, it doesn't exist. It, it doesn't exist, and that's what some people run to that conclusion. So, you know, providing proof that, yes, God is real. And if he is real, the questions build on this, how did he create the world? So, you know, 97 to 98% of the population of the planet believe that in a higher form of power. Yes, they do. It, there may be some twisted versions of that, but they do believe that. Okay, and so they say, well, you know, they created the world, so why... What about Jesus Christ? Why is this Jesus fella always mentioned? Why has he been brought here? Okay, because, you know, they, some of these secular groups look at, when I mean secular, it's a worldview. And it's not a biblical worldview, which all believers, that's what we strive to, you know, looking through the Bible, proclaiming the gospel. And when these questions start to build, they say, why if someone is so powerful, powerful enough to create the universe and a planet, like, where is the proof that Christ existed. Um, there's been those that question the proof, you know, okay, we get it, he existed. Well, how is he fully God and how is he fully man? How does that happen? The Son incarnate, that's what it's called. We don't, like, we don't get it. A lot of groups don't get it. Well, I don't know. I, I need proof. I need something tangible. I need, I need to hear. I need to see it. I need to test it. I need to know that it's valid. I need to know that it's, that it's accurate. Um, you know, the world is in constant need of proof that we are not alone. And that's, it's, it's different. It's not really this biblical worldview. And why does this kind of, um, why do these kind of thought processes happen? Why do, why do we think in this manner about, you know, if God has left us? We've often heard of believers that have lost their faith in Jesus Christ. Is it an intentional loss? Is it an accidental loss? Or is it a misguided thing? Okay. And speaking of Jesus, by the way, this book is his from the first verse of Genesis to the last verse in Revelation. This is about him. This is about him. 66 books by 40 different authors. Okay. So, like, was his sacrifice on the cross not sufficient enough? Like, does that not pay the price? We look at the scriptures. We look to the pro prophetic aspects of it, the prophecies. These things have happened. These things have moved forward. And they're continuing to be fulfilled. Christ enough. Christ, sorry, Christ alone is enough. We, we, need to, we need to think like that. The Bible says that we only need Jesus Christ. So, if you would like to join me, let's take a trip through the scriptures here. If you have your Bibles handy, let's turn to hear the scripture, okay? Uh, we're going to look at Hebrews 10. We'll start at Hebrews 10, verse 35, and we're going to go to Hebrews 11, verse 3. So if you have your Bibles and you like to open them up and read along, uh, that would be great. And whatever version you have is, is perfect. I'm using the ESV. Hebrews 10 verses 35 to Hebrews 11, verse 3. It's closer to the end. So. Okay. This is God's almighty word. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, 
so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and persevere, preserve their souls. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. This is God's word, and may God bless the reading of his holy word. If you've ever looked at the book of Hebrews, it's a very interesting text. Um, just to give some context behind the book of Hebrews, uh, there's a couple things we know and a bunch of things we don't know. Um, so, as far as the authorship, we really cannot say who the author is 100% for sure. It does not address it in there. There's speculation, you know, Paul, Barnabas, Apollos, uh, they could have been the author, we're not 100% sure. Um, but a couple things that we do know is that obviously the writer of Hebrews, who wrote the book of Hebrews, has a very personal relationship with the people he is talking to. We also know that he is addressing um, the, Hebrew, the, the Hebrew community uh, and possibly the new Christians uh, in that location. And the overall arching theme in the book of Hebrews is that Jesus is better than. Jesus is better than everything. It speaks to this. It goes through it and through it. So <clears throat> when we look at this and we see that Christ is better than that, the author starts to address those who may have become under oppression, okay, which can challenge and test faith, right? And these are in times of trial, and when there is triumph, we have to keep that in mind, that it's, it's testing of faith while we're living great or when we're down in the valley, okay? So, my friends, let's look at what the author of Hebrews' intended meaning is for this particular piece of scripture. Remember, it's the author's intended meaning of who he's speaking to at the time. And then we're going to look at how this applies to us in today's age. So if we look at verse 35 where it states, do not throw away your confidence. Okay? Um, we see that by getting rid of it or throwing away our confidence or just putting it at the door or just kind of relinquishing it because, wow, I'm really under trial. I'm having a hard time here. Um, we're essentially checking our faith at the door. Even if we don't know we are, this is, might be on a, a subconscious level. Okay? And when we don't, when we check our faith at the door and we relinquish our faith, we are not trusting in Jesus Christ and his saving sacrifice on the cross. When we put our faith off to the side because of oppression or tyranny and we give it up just for self-preservation, self we are, we are, it's a sin. Like we're, we're, pushing it, we're pushing Christ away effectively. The Bible says, that Christ expects us to be steadfast in our faith when there are good times and especially during times of trial, okay? 
we do not take these good times for granted. Because, this, see, Satan's pretty crafty, right? Um, he knows, because of our human nature, where we have this inherited sin, this imputed sin that we've, that we've, uh, that's born into us, he knows that when things are good in our lives, sometimes we, we don't pray as much as we should. A lot of times we're praying like, things aren't going well, I need to pray harder, I need to pray more, you know, I need, well, you know what, it's often people forget to pray when times are good, and not just like, you know, I have a house, or I have this, and I have that, but it's, 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 tr it's the trust in Christ, and it's the walk with Jesus that we need to be thankful for, okay, um, you know, some people look like, you look at, I've done it myself, hey, my life is good. Maybe I don't need to pray as much. Maybe we just forget to pray because, you know, um, you know we have everything we desire. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're tired, that sort of thing. And we think, okay, well, you know, that's okay. But prayer needs to happen continuously, okay? This is the act of a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Christ. And we should not be tempted to run from Christ, okay? And... Our identity, which is through Christ, especially when we're experiencing trials, we need to we need to come to Christ. Okay, we need to talk to Him, and even times of triumph, when things are going great, we need to continuously pray. It's it's never ceasing. Okay, we can see the tail end of that verse speaks to which has great reward. Okay, um, it is the promise of that is the the great reward is the promise of eternity with, with Christ. The promise that we are not separated from him, we are with him, okay? And how does this happen? Like, how, do, how does this move forward? How, do, how does this move forward? So let's go to verse 36, which states, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised, okay? This, the scripture is truth. It's inerrant. It's free from error. When we exercise the endurance by being steadfast in our faith, by practicing God's will, this results in the promised salvation that is going to come, that's going to happen. Salvation is only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Only through the blood of Jesus Christ. There are so many verses that justify salvation is through Jesus in the Bible. The Bible says in Luke 21.19, By your endurance, you will gain your lives. Okay, Jesus in, the, in Luke 21, he's speaking about the end times. Okay, the destruction of nations. And it's only through faith and the grace of Christ, because of him bestowing grace upon us when we did not deserve it, that we have salvation in him. The Bible says in Romans 2 verse 7, to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. He will give eternal life. Paul, Paul's speaking to this in, in the book of Romans. He's trying to stress this point that we will have great reward as a result of our steadfast faith, okay? Our faith, okay? And patience in Christ. The Bible says in Romans 12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Again, we're coming back. Prayer needs to be ever flowing. It does. It needs to be. It just continues. It just. It's a wheel turning. It just keeps moving and moving and moving. He speaks that when Paul's talking about this, 
we need to be patient in our tribulation and be constant in prayer. And what is he saying? So he says, even when we're down in the valley, when we're in the pit, when things couldn't get any worse, when we're being persecuted against, being challenged, and during those times of extreme trial, this is when faith is really put to the test. It's coming back to faith, okay? And this prayer, unceasing, you keep going with prayer, it needs to be constant, constantly moving forward. As we look at verse 37 and 38 when we're moving forward, um, it's a reference out of the book of uh, Habakkuk, okay? Um, and it states there, it's kind of paraphrased, it's, it's depending on the wording, for yet a little while, and the coming one will come, and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, okay? And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So uh, Habakkuk, when he was writing this, so we see that there is a fulfillment message, and the author of Hebrews is reiterating what the Old Testament scriptures say that prove that we need to be faithful, we need to be live by faith, so that way we are righteous. We're not supposed to shrink away. We are not supposed to shrink away when times get tough. We don't bow down to anyone else. We only bow to Christ. This is a fulfillment message. And when we look at this, it might be slower than the anticipated time and the coming one will come. We might think, when's this going to happen? Okay. But we're going to have to remember God's timing is perfect. His plan is perfect. He will come when it's time. Okay. Um, and we're to exercise perseverance uh, and wait for, wait for this, okay? Um, it shows that faith is needed for righteousness. And we can see that shrinking back and turning to our old ways displeases God. Because it states, as if he, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Okay? No pleasure. When God's not happy... With us, there's, there's always consequences with this, right? There's, he will judge, okay? Um, and why was this verse kind of put in here from Habakkuk? Because it speaks of the res to the result of being prideful, okay? It speaks to human pride, okay? And that's essentially what we're exercising is prideful and relying on ourselves. We're trying to be self-sufficient as opposed to casting all our cares and our trials on God's shoulders, because he always provides for our needs. No matter what the situation, his plan is perfect. He will do what needs to be done. And why? To bring glory to him. It's not about us. It's about him. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, 20, Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed by. So it's, it's another thing when a prophet Isaiah is speaking to the, the Israelites, he's speaking that when God's, when God's wrath does happen, we, we can't function alone, okay? And there needs to be a humbling of faith and a trust in the Lord our God, a trust in our Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Um, the Bible says in Haggai chapter 2, verse 6, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. This proves that God has sovereign control. He has sovereign control over... He is the creator. He has control over the creation. Okay? 
and there is a need for immediate intervention uh, for the work in hand. So we need to, as it says, we need to persevere and come to grips that we cannot do this alone. Salvation comes through Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ. So as we close out the verses in chapter 10, the author of Hebrews asserts confidence. It's kind of now, he's talked a little bit about this. This is what is happening. This is what can happen. This is how we're supposed to act. Now he says, okay, I'm going to build everybody back up. So if we look at Hebrews 10, 36, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Okay, so we believers, we do not shrink back. We are not destroyed. We are not separated from God for eternity because we have faith and we need to be steadfast in our faith because we know God's in control. Whatever his plan is, that's what's going to happen. We need to accept it and we need to say no matter what, it's glorifying him because he is in control. We don't want to go backwards in time to our old ways. Okay? We are stronger than that and we are stronger than that because we have Jesus Christ to thank for this because he showed the ultimate sacrifice, the, the ultimate strength for all of us. The Bible says, as we keep coming back to the Bible, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, verses, chapter 2, verses 2 to 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Again, through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God. So there's the reliance piece. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, to the glory of God alone. So let's, this is what it all boils down to, right? So let's move on to Hebrews 11. Let's go look at Hebrews 11 verse 1. It's, a, it's, an, awesome, it's an awesome verse. So let's look at this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. So we need to have this confidence. As I spoke to before, we talked about, like, you know, we need this empirical evidence. Okay, we need to have faith in the things we have not seen because they have happened. They have come to fruition. We have confidence and assurance in Jesus Christ. We have not had the privilege of seeing him firsthand, but we have faith in things we have not seen. Like I said, we need this empirical evidence, you know, to prove to ourselves that, yep, it's real. I need to see it. I need to smell it. I need to taste it. I need to touch it. I need to test it. Okay? So, what's the best, what's, or not the best, what is a, an, a very good example of this? Who did this in the Bible? Well, Thomas. Thomas did this. He was, I need to see evidence. I need this. It's one of the most revealing, it's got to be the, one of the most Convictions of faith we have ever read. Because the Bible says in John 20, verses 24 to 29. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. So this is... He needs evidence. He needs empirical evidence. I need to see it. I need to touch it. I need to know that it's real. So let's carry on with this. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here 
and see my hands, and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is the faith. This is our faith in Christ. Can you imagine, can you imagine being in that upper room with all the, with all the apostles, the twelve, and then Christ appears to you? And, you, and if you question, like, putting your finger in his hands to prove, like, okay, first of all, it would, for Thomas, it's probably one of the most revealing and joyous occasions, but at the same time, how ashamed would he have been for not trusting and putting his faith in Christ? How ashamed would a person be? I, I don't know, I wasn't there, but I mean, it, it's, it's be incredible, okay? And so, my friends... <clears throat> As we see in the scripture, we are not at a disadvantage, even though we have not seen Jesus in front of our face directly, because we have faith in these things that have happened, because they are true. Let's move on to verse 2 in Hebrews 11, where it states, For by it the people of old received their commendation. So this is speaking to all those who have had faith in God um, and have done his will for his glory. So, you know what, as we, as we look through Hebrews 11, I'm going to go a little bit further because I want, to, I want to look at some faith warriors, okay, that are in Hebrews 11. So I'm going to list a bunch of them here. It's like 17. So Abel. So how did Abel? He demonstrated faith by offering a better sacrifice than Cain. Uh, that's in uh, Hebrews 11 verse 4. Enoch demonstrated faith by pleasing God. Uh, Hebrews 11 verse, chapter, verse 5 and 6. Noah, he demonstrated faith by building an ark. When warned about rain that he had never seen before. In Hebrews 11 verse 7. Abraham demonstrated by faith by leaving his home to go to a place God promised to give him. That's Hebrews 11, 8 to 10. Abraham again trust, uh, demonstrated faith by having a child with Sarah. Even though he was as good as dead. The Bible says that he was as good as dead. He was elderly in age. That's Hebrews 11 verses 11 to 12. It speaks to the believers that had lived by faith, but did not receive the promise in their lifetimes. Okay, the ones that went on before. So Hebrews 11, verses 13 to 16. Again, Abraham demonstrated faith by offering Isaac as a sacrifice to God. Hebrews 11, uh, verses 17 and 19. Isaac demonstrated faith by blessing Jacob and Esau in regard to the future. Hebrews 11, verse 20. Jacob demonstrated faith by blessing Joseph's sons, Hebrews 11, verse 21. Joseph demonstrated faith when he predicted the exodus and gave instructions about his bones, Hebrews 11, verse 22. Moses' parents, Moses' parents demonstrated faith when they hid Moses in defiance of Pharaoh's edict to kill all those children, Hebrews 11, verse 23. Moses demonstrated faith by choosing to suffer with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Hebrews 11, 24 to 26. Moses again, Moses is a faith warrior. Moses demonstrated faith by leaving Egypt, the Exodus. Hebrews 11, verse 27. Moses demonstrated faith by keeping the Passover, keeping the rules of God. Hebrews 11, verse 28. The people of Israel, the Israelites, demonstrated faith by crossing the Red Sea. He made a dry road for them. Hebrews 11, verse 29. <clears throat> the people of Israel demonstrated faith 
by marching around the walls of Jericho. Hebrews 11, verse 30. Okay, And Rahab demonstrated faith by welcoming the Israeli spies into Jericho. Hebrews 11, verse 31. This is like a Hall of Fame thing. You know, you get people get inducted to the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame, Hockey Hall of Fame, Football Hall of Fame, Music Records Hall of Fame. Like this is this is the faith hall of fame like incredible the times they were going through just incredible okay just it speaks to these faith warriors and you know we should be modeling and looking at ourselves like are the faith like we're the time the trials they were going through were just incredible okay so let's look at our final verse in hebrews 11 it's verse 3 which states by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was made, not made out of things that are visible. Okay. Again, this comes back to the empirical evidence. God's creation of the universe was done by his word. Okay. He didn't have to get shovels and hammers by his word. He commanded it. He spoke it and it happened. This justifies and supports all the doctrine of him creating the universe out of nothing. Ex nihilo. Okay? That's Latin for out of nothing or from nothing. We have faith he has done this because the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. It is by faith. It is by faith we understand that God created the universe. That is the big resounding theme in verse 3 of chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews. So, if there are people out there that need empirical evidence that this has happened, we just need to look at the scriptures. We have to look at it. This book is inerrant. Okay? It's free from error. It is perfect in every word. Okay? The Bible says, as we talk about this, in Titus 1, verses 1 to 2, Paul, servant of God and apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages begun. Speaking to faith, it speaks to faith of God's elect, it speaks to the believers. Again, that is for the sake of faith. <clears throat> the Bible says... Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James 1, verses 1 to 3. All trials show how a believer, when we are in trials, it's, it's going to show our true self how we're going to react and how we're going to display our faith. We don't want to run. We want to come closer to Christ and accept what he is giving us. Okay? A biblical worldview. Okay? Uh, we're going to have that. Like, that the Bible is the solid truth. And that everything speaks truth to the Bible. Or is it going to end up being a secular worldview or, you know, transcendentalism, naturalism, all that kind of stuff. Well, we're going to go, we're going to do that because, you know, we, we think that all the earth and all matter. Anyway, yeah. Steadfastness. The Bible is inerrant in its words. Steadfastness will lead believers to grow in holiness. But we will not be perfect until Jesus returns. We know that. The Bible is very clear on that.
So, how do we apply this to our lives? This is the kind of coming full circle here. What does Hebrews 10.35 to 11.3 teach us? So there's about nine things we can ask ourselves regarding these pieces of scripture. Is there an example to follow? Is there a sin to avoid? Is there a promise to claim? Is there a prayer to repeat? Is there a command to obey? Is there a condition to meet? Is there a verse to memorize? Is there an error to mark? And is there a challenge to face? So within this, we're going to look at three things. Okay? Is there an example to follow? Yes, there is. Absolutely. We can see that there were many faith warriors, right, that have gone before us. We talked about 17 of them. Okay, and that's just in the one chapter of Hebrews. All of them were led by faith to bring glory to God. He is the only one that deserves it. And we can look upon their experiences through their trials that are far beyond today's comprehension. They were very steadfast in their faith. We can model ourselves after that. The next piece. Is there a promise to claim? Yes, there is. As we have seen in Hebrews 10.34 to 11.3, those who persevere will be rewarded. The Bible says that the righteous one shall live by faith. And, another verse, when you have done the will of God, you will receive what is promised. We have assurances. God keeps his promises. He doesn't lie. There is no evil in him. Okay? And this, it can't be any more accurate as evidenced by Christ. If we need empirical evidence, the cross, that should justify everything. So a third thing to look at, is there a challenge to face? Yes, there is. Absolutely, there's a challenge. This challenge, as the Bible says, is to not throw away our confidence. Okay, we don't want to throw that. And why is this? Because it has a great reward at the end, right? The ultimate reward for any believer is to spend eternity with King Jesus. What a wonderful day for all of us when we, when we get to heaven and we're standing before the Bema, the judgment seat, and that's what's called the Bema, and he welcomes us. And he tells us that he is so proud of us by stating what the Bible says in Matthew 25, 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. I don't know about you guys. I'm pretty pumped. When, this, when, it, when I'm, it's time to go, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I think it'll be pretty good. So let us close in prayer, my friends. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words, your words, your perfect words throughout the whole Bible, the scriptures. We thank you that we do have faith in your son, Jesus Christ. We do know that he died on that cross and his spilled blood defeated hell, death, and the grave that day. It's because of his grace, which we do not deserve, that we have salvation in his glorious name. We thank you for bringing us together as a congregation. We thank you for our, all our blessings and what you're going to do for us in the future. And we ask that you make us faith warriors as we move through our community, evangelizing and bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone so that no one may be lost or left behind. And Lord, we love you and we praise you and we thank you for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' holy name, we ask all of this. Amen.